on today's Compassion Radio. That's just one of many organizations we saw that were doing the practical work of getting people from danger zones to safe zones. Mm. And that's the whole key right there. We want to assist in moving them from danger to Mm. safety. Hi, friends. Bram Floria here with Compassion Radio, reporting from the very front lines of faith. Yesterday, Sandy and I picked up our conversation on our most recent ministry trip to Romania and the frontiers of Moldova and Ukraine, where some of the most urgent kingdom work in the world is going on right now. I'll tell you how you can get involved later in the broadcast, so have a pen and notepad handy to write that down. We'll pick it up today as Sandy asks what I found as our team approached the northern border where thousands of refugees a day are pouring into what used to be a quiet backwater of a relaxed county far from the action and how much can change in just a few short weeks. Thanks for joining us today. So you mentioned that from Suchava, it was just a short skip and a jump to the city of Suret, which is right on the border. Right. There is a lot of things happening on the border. Obviously, we know that from the news and from everything we've encountered about it. But you met a group of people up there that were really interesting to you. And I want us to do more research about finding out who these people are. And hopefully we can contact them and have them actually on Compassion Radio. I would love to. It's a group called Refugee for Refugees. Mm -hmm. And I was so fascinated by that. You sent me just a little snapshot of this logo that they had on the side of a motorhome, I think you said. And what are these people doing and who are they? No one seemed to know. Tell me a little bit about what you found out about this organization. I had to call you and say, look them up. Right. (laughs) We were at a gas station and there wasn't a lot of fuel available because everyone had been cleaned out. So many refugees that were coming into Romania earlier were coming in in their cars Mm -hmm. and they had to go on fumes for a lot of the country just to get someplace that still had fuel. In fact, some of the relief work that's happening right now is getting fuel into Ukraine to help those vehicles that are still moving. But this motorhome is parked there, and this lady steps in there and can't get anyone's attention. There's a couple old mechanics that are standing there talking to the gas station attendant. They sound like a very gruff kind of mountain accent Romanian. I could pick up little things that Spanish words would be familiar to me. Like I could hear them in Romanian, but everything else about it sounded very much like some very foreign language to me. Mm-hmm. They were having a chat, and this lady was trying to interrupt, saying she needed some help. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to say it in Romanian. It was coming across sort of like one word or two would make sense to them. And she goes, does anyone speak English? And then she started talking to them about what she needed help with her van outside, need gas for van. And the attendant was like pointing to the gas pumps. and said, no, 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 not petrol. Help with gas. And finally looks up there and she's parked over by where the propane uh, filling okay. station is. <laughs> Finally, the guy waves, just a moment, goes back to his conversation, just has a nice little coffee chat with his friends. He starts tapping her watch, looking up and saying, I need help now. And she was. She was in a rush. Mm-hmm. And finally gets someone's attention. Let's kind of huff out there and get her hooked up to the propane tank and show her where to reach for it inside this rental motorhome they've got. And there was this placard on the side there, like a decal, that said Refugee for Refugees. It looked like a life vest. And had the name Refugee for Refugees on there. So I just said, I hope it don't bother you, but I want to know a little bit more about you and just introduce myself because I'm working with another NGO. And we are here to see what's happening with the help refugees here on the border. And she just kind of relaxed for a second. Oh, it's good to hear someone actually ask me what I'm about. Mm-hmm. It turns out she's a Russian emigre that ended up moving out of Russia 20 years ago, ended up in Austria, and was working with refugees in Vienna. And have met these people, and it turned out, as you found out more about their history, 
the founder of this particular organization she was now volunteering with was a fascinating person. Well, the founder of this organization was a refugee himself, was from Syria, and he had to flee his country because we know all of the turmoil that is continuing in Syria even now. He ended up in Turkey and swam across the strait between Turkey and Greece, and he ended up on Lesbos, which you mm-hmm. have been to with Conscience International in the past. Then went into Germany and was still overwhelmed by all of the tragedy that was happening on the Greek islands. And so he decided, I have to do something. I have to help out with that situation there. And so he formed this organization called Refugee for Refugees to help bring supplies and medical help, whatever was needed, to the refugees on Lesbos. Well, it just kind of expanded from there. Of course, as things tend to. As things tend to, yeah. He started getting other people that would volunteer and help with administrative support, financial support, governmental support. And it's a very small group of people, but they have a wide reach. They have volunteers from really all over Europe that help with the greeting and welcoming of refugees. And and all of them seem to have some kind of refugee story of their own. Yeah. Either been internally displaced peoples or were in transition or something about them motivated them to want to be involved with something proactive to help refugees where they were now. And this lady that I met, having been Russian, I didn't get all of her story. She didn't have time for me because she had to get to the border. She had a pickup to do. But what they were doing for this particular crisis was they had people that would sponsor vehicles and rent them in Vienna and send them out with teams to go pick up as many as possible and bring them to Vienna. There was no direct connections train-wise to get people into Vienna, but they had a very strong UN intake center there. They wanted to help get people to people who could help them. Yeah. So they struck out with these van groups and motorhomes and buses and were becoming kind of like a greyhound service to bring refugees to a center that was underutilized. The Vienna Intake Center just had plenty of capacity, but Mm -hmm. nobody was using it as much as they could. They took that on as a serious challenge because this young lady knew Russian and could speak a passable Ukrainian. They sent her to lead this team to be able to pull out Ukrainian refugees coming through that particular border. And she had been back and forth a number of times, 12, 14-hour drive Mm -hmm. from Romania all the way back into Hungary and then on to Vienna, Austria. So that was her job. I got just a touch of that (laughs) in that one conversation, helping her topping off her tank of propane, and then we had to run too. Yeah. Later, we saw their van show up and pick up an entire group of young girls that were traveling alone, which I thought was marvelous that they have some people that can actually speak their language and watch out for them. Mm-hmm. So these teenagers and young women were actually being shuttled by a team that had women on it, mm-hmm. far less at danger of being trafficked that way. I was relieved for that. Yes. But that was the work they were doing. That's just one of many organizations mm-hmm. we saw that were doing the practical work of getting people from danger zones to safe zones. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole key right there. We want to move them. We want to assist in moving them from danger to Mm -hmm. safety. I love that there was a group that was specifically focused on getting these young women to a safe place and helping them to feel safe from real huge danger, obviously, that they were in in Ukraine. And we've heard horror stories of what's been happening to women all across Ukraine that had to stay behind for whatever reason, that have been raped and tortured, beaten and killed just because they're women. So I'm grateful to this organization for taking the time to really focus on that. There's so many other things that they do. They have volunteers that coordinate food service and preparation. They have volunteers that coordinate clothing and blankets and linens and things like that that they need. They have tents 
that they help people set up. There's all kinds of things that this organization does. And it's things such that can a, happen in country before people actually escape, They're teaching them survival skills where they are yeah. on the way out. Yeah, and it's such a necessary organization. I really do hope we can get contact with them to, to find out more about yes. their founder and the, the great work that they're doing. There is always a great story behind mm-hmm. great work, always. Another one of the organizations that kind of surprised me for being so eager to help and be involved was the emergency services of the county in Surrette and Tuchava that was setting up the intake centers there in Surrette. There wasn't a whole lot of people in the camp. I was almost disappointed because it had the capacity to house hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. But again, I have to remind myself that the entire ambition of those in these countries that are right on the border with Ukraine is to get people as far away from the danger as possible, as quickly as possible, before the NUE kicks in. People have no energy left. They just finally are spent and have no initiative. They've got adrenaline going right now. So keep them going until they can get as far away from the danger as possible. Right. And I think one of the things that we can be praying about as a ministry, that the people who are doing the work on the ground, at boots on the ground, as we Mm -hmm. call it here at Compassion Radio, that those people will not begin to experience compassion fatigue. It's a real thing. And when you're in the middle of this day-to-day labor, this day-to-day work of helping others and pouring yourself out for others, it is exhausting. It is. I think it's important for us to say, too, that compassion fatigue is not a single compound word, Mm. although we talk about it that way. You can be very fatigued for doing good. Mm -hmm. You can be very exhausted doing that. But that does not mean that you have to be fatigued from compassion. Absolutely. And understand that there's a difference between spending yourself for the things that are good and honorable and God-honoring and being fatigued with the notion of being compassionate. There are people that are just spent. They don't care anymore because it's all one thing. It's just kind of glossed over and they can't see the forest for the trees anymore. Well, the human aspect disappears for them, getting that idea of when is this going to be over? Can we just be done with this news cycle, basically? Yeah, and you see the whole thing and all the people as one monolithic thing Mm -hmm. that doesn't have any meaning anymore. What possibly can you do to make a difference, and why would you even want to bother? Mm -hmm. It's not my problem. That sounds more like compassion apathy to me. (laughs) Well, yeah. You've talked about your friend Belinda at uh, One Million Thumbprints confessing in her story that she reached a kind of a functional apathy Mm -hmm. where she could do the work but didn't really care anymore because she was so spent emotionally, spiritually, and everything else that it really wasn't real anymore. What Mm -hmm. didn't touch the heart because the heart itself was so tired. Now. I do believe there's something to being filled to overflowing while compassion is being expressed and knowing it came from the heart of God himself. Mm -hmm. It's not an effort of the flesh anymore. You're not just trying to prove to God you're good people or we're not like them, so we'll do the right thing. There will be a time when you get exhausted on every level if it's all coming from you. Mm -hmm. But we do know there are people that just seem to be alive all the time, no matter how bad things look for other people, they just don't give up. Truth is, it's God in them not giving up. They've mm-hmm. already resigned themselves to the fact that there's nothing they can do to solve this problem, but God has still put them there for a reason. So how are they going to survive this? You don't survive just by getting by. You survive. You carry on. You actually have a life afterwards because you are alive now. Mm-hmm. And you allow God to pour his life into you right where you are. We've met many, many people that are like that. They're, yeah. just, they're bright light all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's not because they're so great. It's because they really, really know their God. They know a great God. 
and they're intimate with him. They know how he acts and how he feels and how proud he is to be their father. Right. We've talked a lot of times on Compassion Radio about abiding in Christ. Yes. And I think that's the key, is that you have that abiding spirit constantly in communion with the Holy Spirit. And knowing that God is filling you and pouring into you is nourishing to your soul and is nourishing to your body. Even though your body gets tired, there is still that nourishment that you feel from the compassion that God is pouring into you. It is the, spiritually speaking for me, the antithesis of what emotional depression is. Mm. We've seen people in our lives, you may have too, people that have a solution right in front of them. Maybe they're addicted to some drug or alcohol and they just can't reach across the table for the solution, even when the solution is right there. And people have said that depression is like that. You could have the solution and you know it would work. You know it would solve the problem, but you don't have enough strength to even lift your finger to touch it on the same table you're sitting at. It's that close, but you still don't have the energy to go that far. The antithesis of that is God saying, I will reach through infinity to help you find a solution and to carry you to it. People that live with that abiding spirit of Christ within them help those lift their hands when they can't lift them Mm -hmm. themselves. They are the Aaron to Moses. Yeah, that's exactly what we need to be praying for. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon, even as this rescue operation rapidly sweeps the refugees farther west, away from the fighting. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please, give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. And you can text Serve Ukraine, that's one word, to 53445 to make a gift right now through your phone. And make sure to let your friends know about that option, too. Thank you, friends, for letting God expand your faith through real activist giving today. And now, back to our discussion. All of these countries that are receiving people yeah. in need that strengthening, need our prayers to encourage them along. And we know, because we know the power of the Holy Spirit as believers, we know and can be confident that our prayers here in the United States will move the heart of a great God across the world and affect the lives of those that we don't even know. We're not just praying for the refugees. We're praying for those who care for them, that are being us, the church, the body of Christ, on the front lines. Yes. And because we're praying for those who will serve them, we have an empathy and a compassion for those who serve. Mm -hmm. I think God opens up our hearts to realize these are the kind of people we are to be. Mm -hmm. We don't realize how much that is just as important to the heart of God as taking care of those who have needs. I know we're diving into the reason we even exist as a ministry right Right. now. We could spend, you know, endless time just talking about the theory of this thing. But every time we talk about the story we're talking about now, it's about the practice. We see people putting into practice because God has showed them how to practice it. Mm-hmm. In fact, the churches we've met with, they've come alive, even as they feel like they're being poured out and spent. They're alive in Christ and they know it mm-hmm. because God is using them and is establishing his kingdom and serving those who need him most, need to know that God is alive in this world. 
They're doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, we've met some other people that I'm, I'm certain among them are believers mm-hmm. because of the spirit that's evident in them. They're not just doing the thing because it's the right thing to do or because they are government officials. They're doing it because they believe in it, and they believe in those who serve those who need them the most. We met people that were part of what we call emergency services here in the States, integrated National Guard units, um, police, border patrol, fire, and ambulance services have a new way of integrating themselves in Romania that was just put into place like two or three years ago. Hmm. And they had developed this whole network of ways of communicating with each other to find what are the needs at our borders, how we take care of them. And they're putting it into practice really for the first time with this crisis. They were thrilled because every one of them felt more empowered and more ready to tackle big problems than ever. And they had already assembled in the stadium in Siret an intake center, a refugee camp. And we would say, oh, it's well-organized. The tents are laid out in a certain way. Here's where the hospital room is. This is where the volunteers get fed. This is where those who are in there have a cafeteria and their own cantina area mm-hmm. to just socialize. And this is where the housing is. It was capable of housing hundreds of people. And we met a young guy named Danny who was the PR person for the emergency services group that was there. He just took us around. He was very proud to show all that was happening. And everywhere we went, there were like maybe one or two people in each of the tents. Hardly anybody was in this camp. And he was so proud to show these things off to us. I finally had to ask him at the end, I said, don't you feel a little disappointed that no one's using it? He stopped and said, no, we're thrilled because we got them through here and out of here as quick as possible. We are ready for the next batch. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So that group had put up that tent city inside the stadium in no time flat. And they were putting into practice all these new skills and all this new integration that they were so proud of and seeing it actually work. They were able to get them on to all those other volunteers, like the people we met at the border in Surrette, that were ferrying them on to other centers farther in Europe. So the Refugee for Refugees folks and other private organizations had already coordinated with their teams to see they're validated as being legitimate. Mm -hmm. They've done the work and they have showed up again to take more refugees in. They keep earning more and more respect for the folks that are on the borders because they keep coming back to keep serving, keep doing a good job. Mm. And that's how the churches, by the way, are earning the respect of their governments by showing up and being consistent and delivering on what they promise they will do. Mm -hmm. When they do that, they earn the right to do it again and become faithful over much. I think that biblical principle is very much alive for those who are in the churches up there in Romania. They are doing the work. They're promising what God tells them to promise and they deliver on it, they come back, and the government knows they can be trusted. And when the government knows that you're already on the side of what is right, and when you're not opposing them or defying them or trying to go around them, these countries are open societies now. Mm -hmm. They were communists once. They're much more pro-democracy and very open societies. The churches have nothing to fear from the governments anymore, but the governments don't know if they can trust their own people. When they see the church come alongside and take care of business when necessary and take care of people as needed, they learn to trust the family of God in their own countries. It will benefit and it will grow the kingdom and it will gain the kingdom of God much esteem within those countries over the years to come because of how they served today. Much like what was happening with the church in China 10 years ago when they stepped up, even at the fear of persecution with the government, to take care of people in natural disasters when great earthquakes happened. Mm-hmm. The Christians showed up and said, even if you have to imprison us because you don't want us here, we're still coming because God said to come. Yeah. Those people earned great respect from those governments in those districts of China. God opens doors when people say yes. Yeah. I think, too, the thing that's encouraging to me is to know that there are people of peace 
throughout these organizations yes. that are not necessarily Christian organizations, right. but they are people of peace that will bind others together because Jesus says he is peace. Yes. He is our peace. And so we know that when there's real peace, God is present. And we can see that God is at work through these organizations, reaching others and binding up wounds yeah. and healing and feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and doing all of the things troubleshooting that yeah. God has called us as believers to do. I would say that the biggest distinctive when you look at the way that the churches and the government in Romania are working together is that there's not chaos mm. and there's not this franticness where no one knows what each other are doing. There is directness. There is calmness in those who are addressing the problems. There are people of faith praying, mm -hmm. literally physically praying. When those ferries would go back and forth from Galatz district, from Ukraine over to the other shore where the, the Danube connects with Moldova and Romania, mm -hmm. the volunteers would pray over those ferries going back and forth, that they would be safe, that they would not sink, that people would not be blown overboard in the blizzards that were blowing on yes. them. They were active, proactive in expecting God to do great things, even before the people even got to them. Mm -hmm. And people that had that kind of spirit kept showing up at places like that, even if they didn't know where they were going. We met people that were giving out hot chocolate and hot dogs that were a ministry based out of Switzerland and Germany. They just found their way to the border crossings we were at because God said, just keep going, keep going. And they found the place where people like them were already serving. Mm. God moves the hearts of those who ask him to. Yeah, I think that's true. I don't think God's going to try to fight his way into proving to us that we should be serving with him. He wants to use the people that already want to be used. Yes, he gives us the impetus of it. Yes, a spirit, I think, starts growing the seed within us because it's been poured into us by others before us. Mm -hmm. But even if there's nobody that ever challenged us to be selfless, to show up and see what God can do through us, God starts somewhere because he wants the work done. So even if no one's ever challenged you, to be that kind of person, I do believe that God can create that spirit within us right away if we're willing to say yes to it. Mm -hmm. So if we can kind of put that story to a, a nutshell and say, of all the people we met on the first couple of days in Romania, right. that theme seems to be overriding. These are people that somehow, for some reason, said yes to God somewhere. Mm -hmm. And God said, okay, you said yes. You ready? Let's go for it. I'm going to show you exactly where you can serve and know that you're serving and that you're serving me mm. and serving your fellow man. Because you're serving them, you are serving me. Mm. The scripture comes to life. So our challenge is say yes to God. Amen. Yes. And I don't think that means that God's going to put you on an airplane and send you across the ocean to do something necessarily that yeah. you're not familiar with doing necessarily. Saying yes to God can be a simple, yes, God, I'm going to commit to pray for these people yes. that I don't know, but you know them, and you're going to do a great work in them and through them. And I think that is the greatest challenge that we can rise up to say yes to. Yeah. There are many people that are learning through the experience of the past few weeks how much God loves them. And there are people who are discovering how much God wants to love through them. And there are millions of people that never knew until all of this started happening, how much God loved them in what they're going through. And there are so many more yet that don't know yet that God loves them. But they're going to because people like us went there to love them. And how different the world is in crisis when we really know in our heart of hearts that God has not forgotten us, has not abandoned us, 
especially because he sent his people to us when we needed them. That is the work of the kingdom today. Mm-hmm. And it's right there, right in front of us. We can be part of this anytime we want to. I would encourage, of course, our Compassion Radio listening family that if you haven't already found a way to serve by being involved with and praying for something, do. If you have somebody already working with that is involved with these particular crises, especially with Ukraine right now, God bless you for it. Stick mm-hmm. with it. Do not give up. Mm-hmm. Keep focused. Keep praying. Do the thing and ask God what he wants you to do or be involved with and stick at it. If you haven't before, we invite you to be part of us and what we're doing directly to help the refugees that are coming across the borders in Galatz and Soret and Yash and other parts of Romania. They're on their way halfway across the world. Some of them might actually end up in your neighborhoods in America That's because true. there are hundreds of thousands that will be resettled in America, at least for the interim. Who knows where God's going to drop somebody in your lap to love on directly. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, the body of Christ around the world is being called upon and is delivering the goods literally, to be the kingdom of God, to love people where they need it now. Thank you for supporting us. Thanks for being with us today, friends, on Compassion Radio. We have many more stories coming up in the days to come, and we look forward to telling those to you. But in the meantime, of course, pray for us. Pray with us and pray along with God's people for what he wants done in the countries that he's so active in right now. The toll-free number is 1-800-868-2478. That's one 800 868 You can mail Compassion Radio at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And we're online 24-7 at CompassionRadio.com. Don't wait, friends. Join us online to find out how you can be involved with this unique and timely ministry. And you can text Serve Ukraine, that's one word, to 53445 to make a gift right now through your phone. And make sure to let your friends know about that option, too. Thank you, friends, for letting God expand your faith through real activist giving today. If you missed anything on today's program, of course, the podcast is always available online at CompassionRadio.com. So check that out, too. I'm Bram Floria. Thanks so much, and we'll see you tomorrow.